Today is the January 9th, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Steve Hogan's message is titled, Staying on the Right Track. If you'd like to support our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you. Our reading this morning will be out of Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray. Well, thank you, Lord, uh, just for today. Thank you that you remind us here that we are chosen by you and by your grace that we can put on these different aspects of walking with you, Lord. Just pray that you would help us to do that. as we are reminded of the importance of your word and just thank you that Steve is here to teach today from it and just pray that we would be renewed, refreshed, changed as we go out of here, Lord, that we would be more and more like your son. Um, We thank you that that is possible again because we're your children and we praise you for it. Help us to rejoice as we sing even later about this and uh, Again, just transform us, Lord, and we praise you for this time. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. Glad to see every one of you here. Hope Bible Church this Sunday morning, a little warm, but we got a cool week coming, which I'm looking forward to. We are Hope Bible Church, uh, and I'm emphasizing today the word Bible, that as we teach from the Bible, God's word is that which is foundational to our church, to our lives. It's essential, and our goal is to teach out of it every Sunday of the year, and of course, your goal should be that which is definitely a part of your life every day of the year, your whole life. So many things happened in 2020, 2021, many things that were good things, many things that were difficult things. I don't want to say things were bad, but difficult, challenging, and we're to be thankful for all things, knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that God works all things together for good, and knowing too, and this is amazing, that God wants to be working in our life to fulfill his eternal purposes. We're starting New Year, 2022, and it really is amazing. God has everything planned out for this year. He's got it all planned out already. Everything planned out for your life and for your family, uh, for this church, and for all that he wants to do in the world. Amazing. Every little detail. It's It's the most amazing and wonderful thing that we can know the Lord, that we can be with him, that we can work with him, and that he does want to use us for his purposes And today I want to share a number of principles, 17 in fact, 
that we need to know and remember and apply to our lives and, and that are essential for us then to be ones who stay on track for God, who run the race that God has set for us. It says, says in 2 Timothy 2.5, speaking about athletics, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So today we're looking at 17 different rules or principles or truths from the Bible. Again, and maybe only one or two of these really affect you. And, and that's my desire, that there's one or two that really affect you. And, and I can't help but think that even one or two will have a dramatic effect on your life. First of all, know God's love. Remember that song we just sang, uh, that, that um, Amy Grant song, I'll never forget your love, and I'm going to keep loving you. That one line, that's what I said. It just struck me. Know God's love, First John 4, 16. I've come to know and to believe the love that God has for me. That is, you need to be convinced that God loves you, and that he's forgiven you, and that he cares for you, and that you're special in his eyes. You need to know that God greatly loves you. He unconditionally loves you, and he'll always love you. That phrase that, that's really found in many places in the Bible, his loving kindness is everlasting, always. That is, God, if you're his child, he will never, ever, ever stop loving you. You need to know and experience God's love if you're to love him, if you're to obey him, if you're to follow him and to pray to him and do the things that he wants you to do. Jude 21 says it very simply, keep yourself in the love of God. That is, you need to do the things too that help you then to be stirred by his love, whether it's just refreshing yourself with, with verses that talk about God's love. I oftentimes say this, you know this verse, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's just one verse. There's many other verses that talk about God's love. You need to remember those verses. When you're having a hard day, think about that verse. God still loves you, and he will keep keep loving you. Do things like obeying God. You go to John 14, 21 and 23. It says if you keep God's commandments, and he'll, he'll really show you his love in a very special and a very intimate way. Uh, confess your sins. That, that's an important way to stay in the love of God. And also have communion. That is, be here on the Sundays, the first Sunday of the month we have communion. Because that being together with the, the family of God is important. It talks about this at the end of Ephesians 3, that we together as a body are to experience the love of God. We're not to be off by ourselves. That's the first one. Know God's love. Very important. Second one, have a good relationship with God. Luke 10, 40, 42 says, Mary was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Mary knew the importance of personal time with God, so too you must understand the importance of you having regular good time with the Lord, with Jesus, because your relationship with God then is what's most important. Second Peter 3.18, Paul's last admonition there, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so really the thought is simple as you this year grow in getting to know the Lord better and better. That's what he wants for you. That's one of his highest purposes and, and desires for you. And having a good relationship with God means you're reading God's word. It means you're learning from him. That song we sang, that Psalm 119 song, you're listening to him. You know that he's your teacher. You're learning from him. You love him. You fear him. You, you trust him. And you, you tell him what's on your heart. You tell him what you're thinking, all those things. And then you, you obey him. You do what he says. I, as you all know, I, I love the book of Psalms. It's my favorite book. Uh, the book of Psalms, probably more than any other book, helps you to have this close relationship with the Lord. So you say, I want to grow in my relationship with God. Well, you read Psalms. 
And, and you'll learn a lot there from David and other writers in terms of their relationship with God and how they understood certain truths about the Lord and how they prayed. And, and through thick and thin, they just kept looking to the Lord and God helped them. Third, love God's word and meditate on it. Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. As Christians, if we love God, then we will love his word. It's very simple. But, but it's important. We live in this U.S. culture, and there's so many things that we can, quote, love. And, you know, whether it's loving your food or loving your secular music or loving this TV show or loving this movie that can grab your heart. And we must be ones in this culture particularly that watch so there's no idols, that we're not loving things that we ought not to love that are taking the place of the Lord. And there's no question then that God's word is the single most important thing that you're to think about. So you think about your day, you just review your day and say, hey, am I thinking about God's word? Am I loving other things that are taking the place? And one thing is worries. I mean, oftentimes worries can occupy our mind and we're just not, not then thinking about God's word. God's word is the truth. It is our spiritual food. It conveys his plans for our life. It's, it's like a, a spiritual playbook. It's the primary means then by which we can have the joy and the courage and the strength and the wisdom that God wants us to have. It really is. It, it's so, I cannot stress to you enough the importance of that. It says Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this is huge. I, I cannot, again, stress enough the importance of you taking the time to meditate or just think, thinking about the Word of God. It will, it will dramatically change your life. It says in Proverbs, as a man thinks, so he is. Fourth one is fulfill the purpose of the church. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, go make disciples of all the nations. Matthew 24, 14, it says, basically, this gospel, says this gospel, the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. Then the end will come. As Christians, we're members of the church and we're to know and help fulfill the overall mission of the church. That doesn't mean it's all your responsibility, but as a member of the church, you are joined with the church, this church and the church globally and doing your part in fulfilling the mission that God has for us. This is to be your heart and this is to be your prayer, and you're to do your part. And that's one thing they say, Lord, how can I be part of doing the work of reaching others, of making disciples, which really is one way to say it, just having a, a positive, godly effect on the lives of others, uh, whether it's relationally, whether it's people you know in, in this state or any place in the world. Next, and this is important too, obey God, Psalm 119. Let's turn there. There's, there's so many verses about obeying God in the Bible, and particularly in Psalm 119. But I want to read this whole first section, and as we think about it, I'm not going to really go over it. I just want to read it. But as, as, as we read it, you'll see, man, this is really focused on the Word of God and obeying it. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You've ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. Great verses about obedience. Obedience is, is, is doing what God says. 
It's the primary means and by which you carry out the purposes of God, the purpose of God that God has for you. And God will be pleased and you'll be blessed when you obey him, when you fulfill his purposes. So make it your goal this year. It says, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will, O God. That is, God wants to be excited. That is, obeying God is not to be a drag, not to be a drudgery. I delight to do your will, my God. Psalm 119, 40, 44, NIV says, I will, I will obey, I will always obey your word forever. How often? Always. Every day. How long? Forever. We know people that have gone to heaven. What are they doing up there? Well, one thing, they're obeying God. They're perfectly obeying God. I mean, that, that is the truth. They're not just sitting around playing some harp. They're doing what God wants them to do. And it's a beautiful, wonderful, joyful thing for the life because we have joy and peace and all those good things we talk about when we obey the Lord and we do what he wants us to do. Believe God's promises, Second Peter 1, 4. God has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Whereas God's commands tell you what you're to do for him, God's promises tell you what he is going to do for you. Very important. you understand this? Commands and promises go hand in hand. You need both of them. There's no doubt that God's promises are a major way for you to get strength and to peace and to joy. So you need to know them and, and have them in your heart and believe them. Just a few here, simple ones. Psalm 32, 8. I will lead you in the way that you should go. I promise that I've used literally hundreds of times in my Life as a Christian, now really going on 50 years. I will lead you in the way you should go. It's a promise, simple promise. That one, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Another promise from God all the days of my life. This one from Psalm or Isaiah 49 says, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. That's a good one. The Matthew 28, 20 verse, and other verses like this, it says, The Lord will be with you to the end. He'll be with you. That promise, God is always with you through the Holy Spirit. That is the truth. So these promises, and I can give you another 50, and I probably should write some out for you, and I hope to someday. In fact, that's what I wrote this on my side here, is that I do want to give you a list of commands and promises. This is what's important for your life. Next, walk by the Spirit. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. As a Christian, you need to walk by the Spirit. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, one whom God places literally inside you. This is not something or it or some cosmic thing. It's, it's a person. He's a member of the Trinity. He's the Holy Spirit. It says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we're to have a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing. You think about that. We have a God who is three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Most, I don't think any other religions besides true Christianity has this. Uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So wonderful. So this is what you need. You need to be led by the Spirit and filled and empowered by the Spirit so then you can then be a successful Christian so you can carry out the purposes that God wants for you. It goes on to say in John chapter 14, I believe, that we learn the word of God through the Holy Spirit. 
So if you're sitting there this morning and learning anything at all, well, it's God's Spirit who's teaching you. He, he is the one. So ask God to fill you up with the Spirit more and more. In fact, in I think about three or four weeks, on the end of this month and maybe the start of February, I want to teach a message on the Holy Spirit. We do it really every year or two, but it's important. You have to be reminded about the truths of the Holy Spirit. So, And I'm just touching on it here in just a, a couple minutes. Next, and related, use your spiritual gift, 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. My favorite verse on spiritual gifts is this one right here. A spiritual gift is a special a special ability that God gives you so that you can carry out specific spiritual tasks that God has for you, a special ability that you have. And these gifts then are directly related to how God wants to use you in the church. That that's And God's got it all figured out. He has given each person the gifts that he wants them for the good of other believers, for the good of the church. And God has given you gifts. And I, I tell you, you use your gifts and God will use you. There's, there's no, no doubt about that, that he gives us these gifts. God also gives us specific roles so we can fulfill his purpose. You read in Colossians 3 there, verse 18 and following, talks about the role of the husband, the role of the wife, the role of the child. It talks about the role of the worker. And for example, the husband, he has a specific role, specific things that he's to do to meet the needs of his wife. And if he does it, the marriage isn't going to go quite good. God tells him what to do. So the point is this, is, as, as, is when you use your spiritual gift and you carry out the role that God has for you, then you will be helping to fulfill the purposes of the church and the purposes that God has for you. That's what's going to happen. You'll be doing your part. I'm just reading through Nehemiah, Nehemiah 3, that great chapter talks about all these people doing their part in building the wall. They're side by side. It's, it's a wonderful chapter. Just it might seem redundant, but boy, I think through that. And every person there, they got a name and they got a, a particular part of the wall they're working on. And so God has for you a particular part of the wall you're working on. It's good that you know what you're doing for the Lord, that you're not just, well, what should I do? As Christians, we need to know, not always specifically, but in general, this is what God has for me. This is, this is how God has spiritually wired me. And with a spiritual gift, you like to do it. Uh, people of spirit, not like you, it's a drudgery. Uh, spiritual gift is a special grace from God. Next, have fellowship. It says in, in, in Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another. And brotherly love in Acts 2.42 says be devoted to fellowship. As Christians, we need each other. A key ingredient of your Christian life is fellowship. And fellowship is the mutual exchange and sharing of a spiritual life between believers. Mutual exchange and sharing of spiritual life between believers. We all know this. We're not to be loners. We're not to be off by ourselves. We need one another, whether we're spending time and, and, and helping each other and encouraging each other, where we're loving each other, learning from each other, all these different things. This, this fellowship is, is essential. Next, be holy. Colossians 3, 5. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. 1 Peter 1, verse 16 says, you shall be holy. God wants you to be holy. As you all know that we have, and I'm not, I don't know all this stuff, the physiology very well, but we know there's different organs that God gives the body to help our bodies be purified. One of the key main ones is the kidneys. 
Uh, it's, a, it's a purification uh, organ is what it is. And as Christians, God wants us to be ones who are holy, pure, spiritually clean. That is, we, we must then practically be saying no to sin. That is, we need to recognize what are the sinful things out there and say no to it. And if we do sin, if we do get contaminated by sin, we need then to confess it and get right with God so we can be living holy lives. That's what he wants for us. We can only really please God and fulfill his purposes as we then are ones who are holy. Second Timothy 2, 21, I like this. If a man cleanses himself from these things, that is unholy things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the ma- master, prepared for every good work. Sometimes our lives are sluggish. We're not doing what God wants, and there's some kind of sin. Say, so God, search me. See, if there's some problem in my life that's keeping me from doing what you want, and I tell you, as you're holy, God will use you. There's no, 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 no doubt about that. Next, have faith. Mark. 11.23 simply says, have faith in God. Faith means we're trusting God, we're depending on him, we're relying on him instead of relying on ourselves. Proverbs 28.26 quite strongly and rightly says, he who trusts in himself is a fool. And to be honest, we trust in ourselves fair amount, don't we? We trust in ourselves. And sometimes we're just going through life when we're just not thinking, and it's just we're so used to, trusting in ourselves, and that doesn't mean we don't use the brain and the minds that God has given us. We don't get counsel and advice from others. But bottom line, trust in the Lord. That's what we're saying here. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says you're to walk by faith. That means you're to trust God all the time, every day of your life, in every situation, every job, every task, every relationship, and every trial, you're to trust God. And so this means every day, every day. And so you're going through, you start the morning and say, well, Lord, I want to obey you today. I want to believe your promises, and, and I want to trust you. You know, we all take physical steps. We're talking spiritually. Are you taking those steps of walking by faith? And that's the idea. You're walking someplace, you're taking steps to get there. Hebrews 11 says, the saints of old please God by having faith, by trusting him. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And a good prayer here is that there's that verse, that's Mark 9, I always forget if it's 23 or 27, but it's in there. It says, I do believe, help me in my unbelief. And you're all, I think, aware of that in your life. It says, Lord, I, I, I am a Christian, I believe you, but boy, sometimes I don't trust you like I should. So it's just a simple prayer, and you, have, you know this. You know this, with your life, God is teaching you to trust him, okay? And he's real gentle. He's kind. He's patient. He's forgiving. He knows that you mess up and that you trust in yourself. But you say, Lord, teach me to trust you. And he knows exactly how you're wired. He knows your spiritual frame, and he will teach you little things, big things, relational things, trials. He'll do it. So important prayer. Next thing is pray. Romans 12, 12 says to be devoted to prayer. Many verses that talk about prayer. Prayer just means talking to God. And prayer, of course, is vital for the life of every Christian. As, as a Christian, then we, we must pray. For by it, then, that's how we stay close to God. That's how we experience the, the life and our spiritual needs are met. That's how we can spiritually grow. Um, Psalm 63, many, many psalms are prayers. In fact, it, it's good. Sometimes we, we read, let's say the psalms, particularly so. We read them, we don't even recognize that what we're reading is a prayer. And if it's a prayer, it's, 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 it's exemplary. That's an example for us to look at and to learn from. And so Psalm 63 is, is, is one of my favorite psalm prayers. 
Just a few verses I'll read, first few verses. Psalm 63, 1 to 4. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Thus I've seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I lift up my hands in your name. Just a good prayer. Many good prayers. And I'd encourage you then as you, as you read your Bible or the book of Psalms or other places, have these prayers. And of course, there's different kinds of prayers. You know, this one I'm going to say is probably repetitious, but we need to be reminded. Worshiping God is one. Thanking God is another kind of prayer. Confessing our sin is another kind of prayer. And, and, and asking God for help is another kind of prayer. You guys know the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, says the same thing. A is adoration or worship. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. S is supplication or asking God for help. So you think about your life. How am I doing? Am I praying? Am I doing these things here? These four kinds of prayers important then. Next, love others. John 15, Jesus says, says, this I command you that you love one another. This is not option. In fact, none of the things I'm talking about today are options. They're really all commands. They're things that we need to do. Again, we talked about if you're going to run a race for the Lord, you got to live by the rules. And, and there's certain principles and truths, that rules that we're going over. This is one. Loving others means we're loving them like God has loved us, like God loves them. It means we're putting them first. It means we're loving them with an agape love. Yes, we can love with them as, with a phileo love or relational. That can be part of it. First Peter 2, 1 Peter 1 talks about that. But here I'm emphasizing agape love, supernatural love, an unconditional love, a godly love. You, you're all very much aware that there's certain people you have a hard time loving, and God says you're to love them. But a key there is this. It's the First John 4.19 verse. says says, we love because he first loved us. Sometimes you're having a hard time loving somebody because you don't see and haven't thought about and haven't felt and experienced how God loves you. And here you're struggling with somebody else. Man, God loves you. <laughs> You've been pretty stubborn yourself. You've been pretty impatient yourself. You've probably done the same things that you're thinking about their life, what they've done wrong. You've probably done them yourself. So, so stop that. You experience God's love. Hey, we love because he first loved us. And if we don't love, it may be because we're not experiencing his love like we need to. And of course, there are many facets of God's love, many specific ways that God loves us. Bruce read in Colossians chapter 3 there, verses 12 or 13. In fact, let me say this. The first part, that verse first, you know, uh, the, the predicate to, to what it tells us to do says, and those who've been chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. Three, three points that are given there, right? As you understand that God chose you before the foundation of the world, as you understand that you're holy in the sight of God, that you're a saint of God, as you understand that you're dearly loved, that helps you then for the next part. It says, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, forgiveness, uh, and forbearance, seven different ways. I mean, and, and if, if you change in these areas alone this year, your life will be radically different. If you're more compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient, forgiving and forbearing, you're wonderful. See, that's what we're saying. We're talking about game changers for your life. We're talking about what's going to make the difference, and, and these things here that I'm talking about are definitely ways that, that God wants your life to change. Let me finally say on this point here that loving other, one another is essential for the life and health and growth of a church. You know, if a person walks into the church, they say, well, that's a, really a loving church. I mean, that's what we want people to say. People love each other there, and they love me. And so that's important. And so anybody walks into any church, they should sense that and know that and somehow over the time they're there, experience that. And so we want to be that way too with 
one another here, but also with the people that walk through our doors. Are we loving them in the way that God wants us to love them? Be filled with grace and peace. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. That's 2 Timothy 2.1. Paul's epistles always begin with grace and grace. Uh, and most of them start with grace and peace. But they all start with grace. They all end with grace. They don't all end with grace and peace, but they all start with, most of them start with grace and peace, and they all end with grace. That, and that's important because God wants you to know. I mean, it's just repeated. He wants you to know that you need his grace and his power, which is his power, which is his ability so that you can live the Christian life. Again, this is essential every day. You need God's grace today. And all it is, again, is his, his power, his ability working in you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul said of this, 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. I am what I am by the grace of God. And we all should say that. I remember Janet's husband, Gary, years ago, he'd say that a lot. I am what I am by the grace of God. And that's important. We think that. You come back and it's not because of me, not who I am. It's not my ability. It's God's grace working in and through me. God lets us be weak so that we see his need, see his grace, his strength. I'm weak different times. I've got different physical ailments. And God allows these things. God allows weaknesses or problems or conflicts. We go to him for grace. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So when you have some kind of weakness, difficulty, struggle, whatever, persecution, God will give you grace. He will. He'll give you all the grace. It just says humble yourself. It says humble. Being humble is the means for that grace. We also need the peace of Christ. Grace and peace for life, as you know, is filled with trials and struggles and difficulties. And sometimes we worry. Sometimes we get anxious. And, and God really wants to give us his peace. All of us have, have had fears. All of us have had worries. And when that happens, say, God, you said you want to give me your peace. And sometimes your struggle, I mean, I've done this. You say, man, Lord, I, I want to have your peace, but, man, I keep worrying. You ever do that? He says, keep going. He says, and it goes on for a day or two, and, Lord, give me your peace, and, and he'll help you. He wants to do that. There's no doubt he wants you to have his peace. Second, next, next one, you'll have trials, conflicts, spiritual problems, heartaches, hardships this year. You'll have them, okay? That's what you didn't want to hear. You thought, oh, this would be a really nice, perfect year. No perfection until we get to heaven. You're going to have your trials this year, okay? You're going to have them, whatever way it is. It's conflicts, job, it's people, it's different things that take place, car, financial. You'll have trials. Turn to Romans 8, one of the classic sections on this, Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Romans 8, 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And I, I, I believe that none of us can say all those things in verse 35 have happened to you. I mean, there's some pretty rough stuff there, okay? Now, they might happen in the future, but he's, he's telling you the worst-case scenario here for a reason. Worst-case scenario. Just as it's written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We're considered a sheep to be, to be slaughtered. And sometimes you felt that. Some days you felt, man, this is a rough day. I just, everything's going wrong. I just, you know, in my heart, my mind, relationally. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Again, the love of God in your heart's the key there. I'm convinced 
This is where Paul was at. I don't know if you're at this point yet, but this is where God wants you to be. I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, I have problems this year. But the truth is nothing that ever happens, nothing that will happen is going to separate you from the love of God. No matter what you think, no matter how you feel, it's not going to do it. So remember these verses, key verses here. This coming year, you're going to have problems because God allows them. And maybe even, let me say this, he ordains them. God ordains them. God wants you to have trials. He wants you to know that you can't get through them by your own wisdom and strength. You all know sometimes with difficulties, okay, let me figure this out. Okay, what can I do? Or, oh, you know, and we're struggling. You know what I'm saying? That happens, and we just sort of ignore God. We're Christians, we're believers, we've got the Holy Spirit, and we're gone, and maybe it's five minutes or ten minutes, or maybe it's half a day, and, oh, yeah, I need to ask God. <laughs> I need to ask God. <laughs> he's he's going to help me. God doesn't want you to be proud or self-sufficient, but to look to him and trust him. It's a very simple verse, Psalm 105, verse 4. In fact, I'll tell you a little story. It's back in, I think, February, March of 1979, and, and um, we had these big Bible studies on Friday night names, Iowa, and one of the elder elders, I was just a deacon in the church that time, he called me and says, hey, can you share something before the study tonight? Uh, okay. I mean, when they tell you to do that, you know, and you got about a 30-minute notice, okay, I'll share something. But the verse I shared, and I'll forget, is Psalm 105, verse, verse 4. Look to the Lord and his strength. Look to the Lord and his strength. So just look to the Lord. And that's what God wants. It's a humbling thing, but it's an important thing. God doesn't. God wants you to be weak in yourself so you can be strong in him, so any victory or success you can have, you can say, it's not me, it's what God does, and he gets all the credit and the glory. So this year then, and this is repeated a lot in Revelation 2 and 3, God wants you to be an overcomer, okay, overcomer. It's from that Greek word, Nike, okay, overcomer. God wants you to win the race. That's what he wants. He wants you to persevere by his grace and for his glory. Next one, we're at number 16 already here. Important ones all. This is important to hope. First Peter 1.13. In fact, I got a, a note from, um, I'll say this, I think it's all right, Tim Roth. Some of you know Tim Roth here. But I uh, got a, a Christmas note. He always has these nice little handwritten notes and things that he, he sends. And, and he always has good thoughts. But the one thought was this verse right here. He says, man, I need a, I need a, Fix my hope on 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 Jesus. That's what I need to. That that I'm going to see him someday. Be with him. You can only truly fulfill God's purpose. I say truly. That's the adjective there. Truly fulfill. Because some somebody says, "Well, you don't need hope." Well, to truly fulfill God's purpose for your life, yes, you need to have hope. You need to have hope. You need to know it's worth it to live your life for the Lord to sacrifice for Him. That's the whole thing. It's worth it. Why are you run this race? You know, what's the reason? You have to know there's an end game, a worth it. When life is hard, when we're struggling, we need hope. We need to be ones who are looking forward to the future that God has all planned out for us. Hope helps us to see that our real reward, I say our real reward for God is not really in this life, but it's in the next life. There's four phrases I'll use here very quickly. There's many things I can say. I'll just say four. What is this hope? It means being with Jesus. It means being in heaven. It means being with other believers that we know. They're already there. And it means being in a brand new body. That's that's hope. In heaven, with Jesus, with believers, and in a brand new body. Just four different points. Very, very 
important that you understand this. As Christians, we, we must see the light at the end of the tunnel. We must, know, must be ones who see that there's a sun even when the clouds, storm clouds are out there or else we'll give up. So having hope then, looking ahead to be in heaven, looking ahead to be in with Jesus is essential, essential for our lives as Christians. If we're to stay strong, if we're to persevere, and if we're to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. You think of Paul, there's no doubt he had hope. Hope you know the verse in um, Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ, to die as gain. He, he wanted <laughs> to be in heaven. So then I said, hey, he went on to say, I'd rather be in heaven than here. So it's not wrong to have that thought. It's it, fact, it, that's the godly way to think. If you're thinking you'd rather be in this sinful world, then maybe something's not clicking right, quite right in your soul. You want to be in heaven. To live as Christ, you're here. It says, I'm going to remain on for the progress and joy of others, but it goes on to say, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Final one, be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. This sums it really sums it up. As Christians, we're to be like Christ. And if we are, then all we've talked about will be true. Okay, that, that's it. There's different verses to be. We are to be like Christ. As a church, we're the body of Christ. We're to represent Christ. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. We are to do the work of Christ. Philippians 1.21 says, To live is Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Ephesians 3.17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Colossians 3.3 says, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So when people see you, and people probably see you every day of the year, do they see your old self? Or do they see the new self? Do they see Christ in you? That's... That's what we're talking about here. So God has great plans for you and for this church. He really, really does. And the realization of these plans means that we are being Christ-like, that we are living for God, that we are loving God, that we're living by his grace, we're living by his word, we're living by his spirit. We're carrying out his purposes. And, of course, then we're living for his glory. Let me, let me read over these again. Went through very briefly. We could have a message on each one easily. Know God's love. Have a good relationship with God. Love God's word. Feel the purpose of the church. Obey God. Believe God's promises. Walk by the Spirit. Use your spiritual gift. Have fellowship. Be holy. Have faith. Pray. Love others. Be filled with grace and peace. And oh, you'll have trials, but you get the victory. Have hope, and finally, be Christ-like. Now, I want you to go over these, okay? Some of you say, well, I know you got a PDF that I can get either tonight or tomorrow. To make this easier for you, and particularly those who don't have a computer, you can print these off. i got a Mac back there. My whole message, all my oats that I have right in front of me are back there on the table right now as we speak, Okay. There's probably enough copies for every one of you, but for those of you who have computers, I really suggest wait. But at the end, you know, another 20 minutes, there's still some there. Take them, okay? There's lots, and take one and send it to a friend. So my goal this year is to do that because I really want the Word of God to stay in you. That's what I want, God's truth. And I know um, the soil, soil, the seeds in the soil, how the devil tries to steal his word from our lives. So I'd encourage you then to go back and say, God, which one of these, which one of these 17 that are really important, whether it's one or two or three or four, whatever, 
and, and you can hang on to it and review it through the year. Next week, I want to talk about attitudes. We always talk about having the right attitude. Well, what are godly attitudes? What are biblical attitudes? And we've got a number we want to talk about next week and a number more than, the, uh, I think, the last Sunday of this, this month. Just a couple things I want to mention to you very, uh, as well. Uh, just pray for, keep praying for Jean. I talked to her, her daughter yesterday. Jean um, Logston is, is really doing miraculously well. Um, her body is quite frail. They're always trying to balance this medicine and that medicine and this and that. So just keep praying for her. Um, her birthday is on the 22nd of this month, and her, her daughter, Linda, said that she, she loves cards. Okay, she loves cards. And two years ago, she had her 90th birthday, and she still has all the cards that were sent to her in a scrapbook. She loves cards, and I wouldn't wait to send it, you know, next week. Send them this week, okay? A little birthday card, a little, hey, how you doing card, whatever you want to say. I believe her address is, if I'm wrong, tell me. I think it's 4514 West Paris Street. 4514 West Paris Street. But to send her a quick card, she will, it, it'll mean more to her than you ever, ever, ever can realize. And one more thing to pray about, too, is that I mentioned this to you last month, and I just want to give you a quick update, is um, uh, I told you that I went to my reunion in September, but never really went because I got the COVID the day of, of the start of the reunion. So that led me to want to write a letter, which I got out, I mailed out about 240 of them, um, December 20th, 21st or so. And I've already heard back from four or five people really, really encouraging. You know, this person got saved in 1982 and is always wondering if any other Christians in Kemper High School, you know, and so just pray. Um, it was just, it was, it was a hard work to do, uh, laborious in terms of getting all the addresses, but I, I trust God is, is going to, to use that. And so that's it. Let's just pray now. Thank the Lord for our time. Father, we do bless you for bringing us together here. Thank you so much for each person here and, and knowing that you're uh, that we're special to you, that you love us, that you've bought us, Lord, with, with Lord Jesus, your blood, and you've saved us and forgiven us, and we're yours forever and ever and ever, and we'll be with you, and someday we'll be out of this, this old fleshly body and be in a brand new body, and heaven will be wonderful to be there and with you and other believers and angels. And we, we look forward to that, but God, you've left us here for this time now to do the work you want. Help us to be ones, even these Different truths we looked at today, God, I pray that you'd impress upon the people here which truths you want them to think about and focus on, Lord, that are important for this year and their lives. And again, thank you, Lord, for the fact that you work in us. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we are to do our part, but God, we know you're doing your part as well. So help us do our part, and God, you keep doing your part, and Help us as a church, Lord, to be all that you want. Just lead us and guide us in the plans you have for us. We pray, too, for your protection, knowing, Lord, that, that there's spiritual battles out there against us personally, against our fam families, as, as well as against our church. Thank you for the, the, this world we live in. It's been quite difficult. We see a lot of different problems. Thank you, God, that you're sovereign. Do pray for our leaders, that, God, you work them, whether state level or national level or even international level. Lord, we, we thank you that that you're working through them. We do pray for them that we would have the continued peace, and especially in this country here, to be able to keep openly sharing the gospel, the truth, the word of God. We ask you for that. Thank you again now for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.